If we're not reading the Bible through Jesus and we're taking everything as equal and giving everything uh, the same weight and taking it at its face value, the Bible's an incoherent text. How can you say, listen to the cries of the poor without looking at what makes them poor? You don't have to believe certain things to be part. The irony is that you can be pro-guns, pro-death penalty, pro-military, anti-environment, and still say you're pro-life. But people get really uncomfortable. It's like they want to have their religion and they want to have their porn. They want to do both. I don't think any form of Christianity deserves to survive and thrive if it doesn't come to terms with the racism of our past. When we really tell the story of Jesus, we find a God who comes to the point where it has all collapsed. If a good teacher is to get a student to get the right answers on the test, and if Jesus was supposed to get us to get the right answer for when we die, then can we just be honest and say, not a good teacher? All right, as always, our sponsor for Jesus Never Ran is Angie Nisco with Rise Nutrition. You can find Angie on Facebook at Rise Menominee. That is Rise with a Z. And click in the show notes and you can get your free wellness profile just for Jesus Never Ran listeners. That's Angie Niska with Rise Nutrition. Today on the show, a roundtable discussion about something that I believe to be extremely spiritual on a number of different levels, and that is the injustice in our prison system. We cannot have this discussion without having people around the table who have lived it and who have experienced it. So today on the show, two people who've lived the majority of their life in prison, Rod Harris and Shannon Ross. Well, here I am on a Zoom call with two fabulous human beings. We've got Rod Harris and Shannon Ross joining me today, and we're going to have a great conversation about our prison system, which should be fascinating, especially with these two young men. So why don't we just kick it off, uh, let the listeners know a little bit about you. We'll start with you, Shannon. Just share a little bit about who you are and why this conversation matters to you. Yeah, so... I'm a Pisces. I like long walks on the beach. and oh, That's not the vein we're going <laughs> you, with. On that. You do what you so. need to do to get it out, man. <laughs> um, yeah, Shannon Ross. I spent 17 years in the Wisconsin prison system. I've been out for seven and a half months at this point. Um, since that time, and actually a little bit before that, I, I became a graduate student at UWM. I had a scholarship before I got out for about three weeks. I'm also the executive director and founder of an organization called The Community, uh, where we pretty much prepare people for release as uh, successfully as possible, but then we also prepare society to embrace people when those individuals are released so that preparation is able to meet opportunity. And so we have a lot of things we're doing in that vein. I'm actually just going to start planning an award show for currently and formerly incarcerated people uh, to celebrate the successes and loved ones and so forth. So getting going on that, it's going to be, a, I'm, I'm really excited to have that going. Do it up big, like the Gat, like the Oscars. I'm thinking about like really everybody dressed up, just really feel good, you know. Then I, on top of that, I'm also a member of um, Employ Milwaukee's Reentry Rising (MKE), uh, Unlock Higher Ed, which is a national group to promote higher education in prison. Um, the Wisconsin Decarceration Platform is a group to create a one-stop platform for all the resources and events in reentry and reform work in Wisconsin. So we we have like a bunch of universities and other organizations involved in that. Uh, and then I'm a co-owner of a trucking company, which has been going on for about two months now. So I'm trying to get that going. I also am a, a father-to-be in about four months. 
Oh, congratulations. I didn't, I didn't know that one. I didn't know that one. In the last seven months, it sounds like you've done more than most human beings have done in the last seven to 20 years of their lives. How old were you when you were incarcerated and how long were you incarcerated for? So 19, I, I was 19 years old um, and I spent 17 years in. Rod, why don't you share a little bit about yourself as well? I was incarcerated for 20 years and one day I got locked up when I was 18 and I was released when I was 38. Uh, I spent more time in prison than I've spent home. I've been out now for about 42 days today. It's been exciting to say the least, man. I, I can't even express how much laughter, fun, enjoyment, elation, jubilation that I've had since I've been home. I've been able to help out with some of my friends. That's really been my, my main goal, man. All the people who helped me out when I was in, we all kick it together now that we're out. I got people like Shannon who tell me to go volunteer somewhere. So I just show up and move stuff around. That's what I've been doing since I've been home, man. Helping everybody else do what they want to do because I always get to do what I want to do. I'm uh, training people. I'm a personal trainer. I help people do stuff that they would not otherwise do. That's my whole goal, to progress, never regress. I love it. It's so great. Now, the three of us met when I was a chaplain at a prison in Wisconsin, and then we reconvened upon Rod's release from prison, which was incredible uh, situation. That's how we all uh, reconnected just recently, as Rod yeah. said, 40 some days ago. And when you came out, I'll never forget, just you were stomping around saying we did it for about five minutes straight, I think. It was just one of the most incredible, <laughs> joy-filled experiences yeah. of my life. And Shannon had a, a film crew there as well. So we got a lot of it on on film as well, which is exciting. And so a lot of people here conversations, I suppose, about the injustices that are in our prison system, not just in Wisconsin, but nationwide. But I think unless you have some sort of experience inside it, you'll never really understand exactly what that means. And and you two, a lot longer than I, uh, had the, uh, the opportunity, we'll call it, to experience the challenges that our prison system have. The seven, eight years that I was a chaplain, I saw it firsthand, just the the toxic nature, the, I mean, the easiest way to say it is it's a system from my perspective that is set up to almost assure that people who go through it fail. The opportunity to succeed as you two are doing, the odds of that are so minuscule. The system is almost set up to help people fail so that the system can continue. That's, I guess, what I experienced. So I just want to ask you, what are some of the things that you saw in the prison system that seem to be a real problem? The first thing that comes to mind is that if you are a person who wants to help people and you work in the prison system, it's not even that it's frowned upon. It's like people will openly discourage you, talk about you, and try to make you seem as though you're doing something wrong when you know in your heart you're doing something right. That's number one. And the Wisconsin prison system isn't as physical as when I first started my sentence. If you're given an extended period of time, man, You have to do the sentence between your ears. You don't really do it physically. You do it in your head. And they like it that way because most men can't do that because they don't know how to deal with themselves. That was another thing 
And then if you show any maturity, they try to make it seem as though you're doing something wrong. If you want to make any type of progress, you got to fight so hard to make that progress. Like if you want to go to college, if you want to get into a program, if you want to read a book that they don't like, that's an issue. So for you to grow the way you want to grow is discouraged. They always want the credit as though they were actually helping you when really no one really does their job. They never disconnect their cheeks from the chair. Though I, I just leave it there. Those were probably the top three things, man, for me, at least what I noticed. They just jump off the top of my head immediately. There's one time when, when you and I were talking, Rod, and I think I said that the prison system is broken, and then you corrected me and you said, nah, the, the prison system works exactly as it's supposed to. We need to break the prison system is what Absolutely. needs to happen. And I thought that was su such a great perspective. In so many ways, your release date also just showed even more so in a minor way what the problem is because you were set to get released. I don't remember what time in the morning it was, but they had you set, I think it was at nine o'clock in the morning, Rod. Yeah. And so we're all there. Shannon and I are there. Your family's there. And I don't think they let you out till 920. So they made you wait 20 years plus an extra 20. They couldn't even get you out of the place on time. It's like Absolutely. the least they could have done, right? And what's crazy is that there's no acknowledgement that they did anything wrong. They messed up any of that. What I notice is that the people who work in the prison system, they get to have a bad day whenever they feel like it. But the people who are incarcerated, they do not get to have a bad day. They do not get to say, hey, man, you think you can forgive me this one time for being late for child or for being late for an appointment? No, go back to your room, you know? And uh, people tend to think it's a black and white thing but what I notice is that they just want to lock up the most amount of people to get the most amount of money for those people. From what I noticed, that's another topic later on, but yeah. Yeah. But it is important to know that, and I'll just speak of Wisconsin. I can't vouch for other States, but I know that it is, at least when I was there, it was the biggest budgeted item for our entire state government was the, the Absolutely. Prison it, it employs so many people in rural areas that they have to keep that going. The people who are the representatives for the people in these rural areas, they get paid to keep these people employed. The place where we all met was a very rural area. Most of the people that worked there came from rural America. Most of the people that were incarcerated there came from urban America, which created all sorts of, of issues. All right. Before we jump too far into that, Shannon, what would you identify as some of the main struggles that the prison system has right now? It's the general nature. It's a culture of looking at the people that are in the prison system as not people, as staplers in the work environment, as problems, as things to be hidden in the closet as society. The whole reason for the prison system is because we just want to hide things. We don't want to face issues that, you know, we're we're culpable in as a group instead of just wrestling with these very uncomfortable truths that would get us to a better place for years. The whole time you're in, they incentivize you to obey the rules, to sit down and shut up, to fall in line with what their concept of reentry and what successful reentry is, which is to take their program to follow the guidelines that they put in place so that you get moved to a different facility to play their game. But none of that ties into you being a person, an individual who has, you know, agency and accountability over themselves and makes decisions when you get out in the free world. So you get comfortable in there with that way they incentivize things. And then you're uncomfortable upon release. 
one of the things that I told people a lot when when they asked me how has it been transforming from you know 17 years in prison and now being out here, I, I said it's been like riding a bike. It was this hasn't been one issue because I never allowed myself to get comfortable when I was inside. And by doing that, that allowed me to be comfortable when I got out. Cause I was always uncomfortable my entire time. Even like a week before I got released, I was forgetting for count. I was, I didn't wear my ID, all these little things. I was like, yeah, I'm never good. It's, you're just gonna have to keep telling me I'll take these tickets because when I get out, I'm, I don't want to have that mental hang up in my head about these stupid things. Now I have written envelope letters before the people inside or even out here. And I'll start to put four five, nine, two, five, six after my name just automatically. Cause I did it for so long. That's like my new last name. So I caught myself doing that a number of times, but this is overall, it's just the way they, they don't view people in there as human beings. And so by doing that, you're not really ever dealing with people and you never are actually transforming people or allowing them to transform themselves to, to frame it better. And for the listeners who don't know, every inmate has a number and you yeah. are identified more by that number than you are even your name. The goal is to almost make you subhuman or make you, you know, make the, the system not have to deal with an actual human being. It's much easier mm -hmm. to deal with a number and stick to the system than it is to actually deal with a human being and try to help them become a successful, you know, a successful contributor to our society upon reentry. And the obvious, I mean, I'll call this the elephant in the room. If the prison system succeeds, a bunch of people get out and are successful. And so then a bunch of people lose their jobs as prison guards and prison administrators because we wouldn't need as many prisons anymore. Even in the Midwest here, I'll take the, the two states that we, and I know there's people all over the nation listening, but I'll take Wisconsin and Minnesota, for example. Minnesota has almost an identical crime rate to Wisconsin, yet they incarcerate yep. half as many people. So- yep. I mean, you can see that this the system's pretty screwed up. Shannon, you keyed in on a few areas of things that really helped you. And I would agree, both you and Rod were people that stood apart without a doubt. You guys were just standouts <laughs> in there. And it was very obvious that you weren't playing by the rules, which is probably what, <laughs> what, what draws me so much to you. What were some of the life lessons you learned while you were incarcerated, Shannon? I wrote a thing when I was in called Lessons of Incarceration. And um, for me, the overall experience of being in prison is immensely edifying. It's immensely enlightening if you know how to contextualize to take what's happening to you and put it in the right structure. Right. Like most people go into prison and they are just trying to survive. They're trying to learn how to swim. Like, you you know, that's what it is. Like everybody's just in there trying to figure it out. And like just you got sometimes you got to push somebody else down and stay up like all that type of crap is what happens a lot of times when people are in. And for me, I went in there and for whatever reason, I was able to just see things differently upon entering the prison system and seeing how like people were just wasting their lives and this concepts of, you know, oh, I'm just trying to get the day by and make this time and kill time. And like, why would, why would you want to do that? Like, why would you want to just kill this time? Like, it's still your life. You still have something right now. And so I just took a different look at it. And that allowed me to see how the difficulties and the struggles I was going through weren't so much this terrible things happening to me in my life, but they were challenges to allow me to achieve a higher place and a higher purpose in my life going forward, to be able to meet obstacles when they come now, because I looked at them as challenges before. I looked at it as practice instead of, you know, woe is me, instead of life is so terrible. Why, instead of looking at all the people that had it better than me on TV, I looked at all the people that had it worse than me on TV. I looked at all the people that had it worse than me in the newspapers. And then even just imagining from reading books and literature and how, for the longest time in the existence of man, 
we are still the 1%. Even in Wisconsin prison system, there are people struggling way worse than we are right now in the world, in free places, have it way worse than we do. So kind of keeping that construct of what do I look at? Do I look at how things could be better or how things could be worse? And one of those is going to keep you just focused and, and grateful and to a place of just constant growth. The other ones is going to keep you just stuck and stagnant and mad and angry. And so that I think singular lesson for me would be that when you have these situations like the prison system, it just shows you in so many ways that life could be so much worse. I mean, there are people that have my same crime who are still in there, who may never get out. People who had way longer than me that right now to this day, I feel, you know, could have done. So, I know they could have done so many good things out here right now, but they just can't. They're not allowed to. And so I'm here. And so it's this gratitude I took from that experience. Like, yeah, you know, this happened to me, but that also could have happened to me and way more things could have happened worse. And so even though this is what happened to me, there is a great sense of relief that it was not something worse. And what am I going to do with that understanding? Am I just going to just say, okay, you know, damn, dude, it's messed up for dude and just move on or say it's messed up for dude. And I need to honor that, that I'm not in that situation and, and acknowledge the blessings I have and do something with it so that maybe other people, you know, whatever value I can offer them, I can do that. I'm in a position to offer that. So that gratitude and that understanding of it could be way worse. And the meeting everything as a challenge instead of a um, an excuse to give up. That was what I took away as the biggest lessons. Shannon, you had mentioned that, you know, there's people that were in for the same crime that you were that are still in there. Rod, I know part of your story is that it seemed like everybody that was in for the same thing that you were, were getting out years and years and years ahead of you. Yeah. And then yeah. even in the midst of that realization, you still had this positivity about you that was almost unexplainable. I could never explain it to anybody who never met you while you were incarcerated. So what is it, maybe what brought that about and, and what were the lessons that you felt like you learned while you were incarcerated? Um, I never was in a situation where I felt like I didn't know who I was. I look around and I see exactly who I don't want to be. You know, I had some very, like, stumped down people in my life that were very serious about education for one and not being an idiot for two. Because educated people are stupid as hell sometimes, too. What I learned was I didn't really want to kill time. I, I didn't have a problem with time. I wanted to live my time. I wanted my time to live. I wanted my time to have life. When I look back on it, the positivity came from I knew who I was. God allowed me to know Rod Harris intimately. He showed me exactly who I was. He knew that I needed to have a goal and I'm lazy. So what I did was in order for me to be lazy and chill and lay down, I got to get everything off my checklist first. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's what real lazy people do. You got to you gotta work to be lazy, especially in America. And I never took the fact that I was different than everybody else. I never took that for granted because God said, man, he didn't give us the light to put it under a bushel. He said he gave it to us to put it on the lampstand. So who am I to deny who I am as a person for the sake of you being comfortable? That's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to sacrifice my comfortability so you feel okay with yourself.
I think, you know, just talking to the two of you, and I hope people who listen to this can relate that one of the greatest injustices is that as I listen to both of you guys talk, you have so much to offer in so many ways in this world. And Rod, I remember we used to sit and talk for hours and I would just jot hours, things down that you would say because I would learn so much from you. And Shannon, I know you had a great connection with one of our other chaplains as well. And same thing, like you both, when you speak and what you're doing in the world already, so much to offer. And one of the greatest injustices is that the world outside of the prison system hasn't gotten the benefit of you guys and your positivity and your influence in this world. We have people like you guys incarcerated when you could be out in this world making a huge difference when there are a lot of other people that are, are taking life for granted, which is the exact yeah. opposite of, of what either of you do. Now, one of the, the hardest things about you may read a book and believe that there's some struggles in the prison systems or hear this podcast, but it's this thing that if we want to, we can turn a blind eye to it because it's easy not to think about the prison system unless you drive past a prison at some point. Whereas things like yeah. poverty or homelessness, you see it just about every day in some way, shape or form. And so one of the biggest challenges for somebody who might want to get involved or might want to do something to help is just knowing like, how could I get involved to help the prison system or help people who have been incarcerated who are now released? So in your perspective, what are some ways that people can just be advocates for either guys coming out of prison or advocates for prison reform, men and women, not just guys coming out of prison, but men and women? So what are some things that just normal citizens should be aware of and can do to help? One of the reasons people don't get up and do something is because they think about the enormity of the problem, meaning the size, the width, and the breadth of the problem. When really, all you need to think about is that if I just do one thing, it may not solve the problem, but at least I can affect someone's life. Like you may not be able to fix the system. You may not be able to break the system, but what you can do is reach out to somebody who's incarcerated and help that person, and then they could do it. You know, some people fail to engage because they know for a fact they can't beat the entire bureaucracy of what prison means to this country. Like, the amount of money that's put into prison systems throughout each state, each city, is enormous. So don't think about how big the problem is. Don't think about that. Just think about how you could affect one person's life and then move on from there. Because to get back to something that you said earlier about Minnesota and Wisconsin, the population and the prison population, and one thing that Minnesota did was instead of the state having to pay for it, the county has to pay for it. So it's not put on a budget a year from now. It's put on the budget from then, and then the people who are responsible for keeping that person in office, they have to face those people. Nobody's going from Sheboygan to Madison to talk to the person who's locking up their uncles and their sons and their nieces and their aunties. Nobody's doing that. But when Becky lives next door to you, you want her to get treatment instead of her going to prison. It's different. Who answers to the people who spend the money? I just leave it there.
I love that. And that's such great perspective. I think proximity is one of the greatest ways to engage. However, you can get closest to the problem that you're trying to address. And usually that's going to be connecting with somebody locally, wherever you are. And the other thing that I want to address here, just so everybody hears it, because this is our culture through and through, it doesn't matter what that incarcerated person or formerly incarcerated person did to get incarcerated. One of the worst things you could do, I think, is launch off by asking why somebody was incarcerated. And one of the things I did, I only know, Rod, why you were incarcerated because you shared it with me. Shannon, I have no clue why you were incarcerated and I don't even care. And when I was a chaplain, I had access to all of your files and I purposely never looked at a single one of them because I wanted to know you guys as human beings. And so if you are an employer or if you are, have a coworker who was incarcerated at, at one point, just focus on that person as a human being, and you will be able to do all sorts of things to, to work on their situation. I don't need everybody knowing what my worst challenges in life are. There's a few people that get to know that. Everybody doesn't need to know that. Just a few people close yeah. to that. Same situation for people who are are getting out of prison or are currently incarcerated. All right, Shannon, how about you? I know you are really engaged with this on a pretty high level because of the organization <laughs> that you're running. What are some ways that people can get involved with people getting out of prison or the injustice of the prison system? This is one area exactly where I'm trying to find ways because with our Correct the Narrative campaign where we're really confronting and I say confronting, but confronting for me is a very healthy thing. Confronting is not bad. People hear that word and they think of aggression. To me, confronting is basically I'm just making you see something that you shouldn't be getting away from. What we're trying to do is go into communities. We're going to focus on Waukesha for this warm season and just really make them see the successes, humanity, and agency of people that have criminal records. Now, once we do that, you know, people come around and say, okay, I, I agree. I see it's an issue. What now? What can I do? So you have to find ways easy ways for people to slide into the solution to try and address it in in whatever ways that match with their values and their time and the resources they have. So the ways that are always going to be the case are money, actual time you're giving it, whether it's physical or, you know, just doing something online or supporting it, like telling people about what's going on. So there are a lot of great groups doing things and you kind of want to find ones that match with whatever your values are. Maybe you want to support the education side of it. Maybe you want to support the biblical or um, spirituality side of it. Maybe you want to support uh, addressing the prison conditions. There's so many different ways to get involved. And so with our with our site, we're going to be making that available so people can find out exactly one that matches with what they you know find most interesting, the most aligns with their specific resources or just whatever they think is the biggest issue you know we're not going to preach to what the biggest issue is you can figure that out on your own for what matches with you and then they'll have groups that you can choose from to support in that way i've been in this space for a while so i have a really good idea which ones are legit which ones if you get involved with them you're not going to be wasting your time or your money you know they're competent so we can involve them and then even say you know if you want to look for more places ask them they'll connect you to more but these are the ones that we kind of agree with and we already have a partnership with and we can like say they're you know one's worth investing your time or your money in and so I think that's really a part of it is on us in the movement to provide these type of better apparatuses for people that are getting involved to see where they can get involved. I mean, you look at any other area of life. If you want to go to a business, you know, you want to spend money with the business. You're not going to go in there and they're going to say, oh, yeah, we have all of our goods in the grocery store just scattered about. Just go find what you want. Like we have signs. We have areas. We have people that can direct you to where you want to go. Like we want your money. 
and we're going to help get that money from you. <laughs> so we want your help in this space, but we need to help show you how you can do that. You know, we have to respect that everybody's busy. We need to respect that everybody doesn't have time to learn the entire breadth of the issue and all the areas and how difficult it is and all the different arms of the monster that we're facing. We need to make that easier for you. And then you can find it on your own as you dive slower and more in. You know, you dip your toe in, next to your knees in and your waist, and you're all the way in eventually. But at first, you know, we need to make it easier for you to get involved. And so a lot of that's on us. But in general, if you don't see that, I think that the first and foremost thing you can do is ask one group. You know, you can go online, you can ask, just put an email to somebody and say, hey, I want to get involved and I want to do this specifically. Can you give me a little guidance? And then they'll help directly. with you. And if they can't, come to us. The community now about us. I'm glad to direct anybody how they can help in Wisconsin and a lot of national efforts as well. So that's the community now dot us, correct? Yeah. Yep. That'll get you started. Now, for me, the reason I, I decided to engage in the prison system, and I'm I'm a little bit different, Shannon. When I get something in my mind, I don't dip my toes and I just take a dive right, exactly. and see what yep. see, mm-hmm. see what happens. So I didn't want to yeah. just dip in. I wanted to just make it, you know, might as well make it a career choice. But the reason that it was important to me is because there is a faith component to this as well. And there's a point in the Bible where it talks about the way that you treat the prisoners is the way that you're treating Jesus. And I took that very literally at the time. And I looked around my life. I was like, I don't see anybody who is or has been incarcerated. So if I want to learn more about Jesus, learn more about God, learn about my faith, I need to be around people who are incarcerated. And that is what led me to the two of you. That's what led me to be a chaplain for a while. So I think this is a much bigger issue than just a social issue, although that's huge and that's really important. But I do think there's at least some sort of faith component in this because we in America specifically have done a great job of making our faith this exclusive thing. Some people are in, some people are out. There's the good people and there's the bad people. And unfortunately, that's what our culture has also done with people who are incarcerated. So how is faith related to this conversation for both of you? Why don't you start, Shannon? So it's been interesting because of what the documentary that we're doing when you met uh, Kaylee when she was there, uh, the release day, we've done these uh, these interviews that we've put into vignettes of successful examples of people that have criminal records. And only one person didn't mention faith as a big component for where they are and where they've gotten to. So this is something that is a huge part of when people you know, are in prison and when they come out and how they succeed and how they just grow as individuals. For me, I've been agnostic for a long time, but I am very spiritual. I've been I've uh, probably if I would say I had to choose one, which I don't like choosing labels for anything. But if I had to choose one, it would be, it would be Buddhism. But I don't even agree with everything in Buddhism. There are areas in Buddhism I'm like eh. So it's just I align closely with that. But even when I say that, I say that to people because it gives them a construct for where I might be. But really, when I say I align with Buddhism, I means I align with the teachings of Jesus and I align with the teachings of so many other religions at the core of what they're teaching. Well, and um, Jesus he, was uh, Jesus was and he, he was in the East to absolutely. think of Jesus in a Western context is where we get it all wrong anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, when Preach. I <laughs> when I would read oh, no. and I've had a, a number of uh, you know, uh, people that I dealt with when I was in prison where we would talk about Christianity, we talk about the Bible, we talk about faith. And so these aren't things I come to lightly at all. Like, I know I'll meet people sometimes like, oh, I'll talk to you. I'll just show you some scriptures. You'll change your mind. Like, do you think I just like, have you, do you know anything? about? I don't just come to things 
without having really yeah. thought and talked to people. Like I'm, I'm not yeah. 10 years old. I've really, really dove into these significantly. Absolutely. So it's just uh, my, where I am is it's, I'm not in line with that specific label, but the exact teachings of it, I am completely in line with. I had um, a Sally who I'm still in touch with. He's one of the yeah. best people that I've ever met. And so I was in the room with him for about two and a half years. And, you know, he would talk to me a lot about, you know, we would have a lot of really good conversations with him about the little C and the big C and all these ways that people address uh, you know, the religious aspect of it, but they're missing actually the Bible. Like they don't follow the Bible, they follow Catholicism. And all these types of things you would have really interesting points we would make when we talk about. And so yeah, he sent me a thing because he's been out now for maybe seven months and he sent me a thing about, you know, I know me and you are uh, completely uh, like a total opposites on all these different areas, but we really, you know, believe in fighting the system or uh, that people in prison can make themselves something different. And I said, you know, I want to push back at that. Me and you are not different at all. Just because of a label doesn't mean we're different. Me and you are incredibly aligned. You're one of the, actually, I have more in common with you than I do with the mass majority of people I know in my life, because I know your heart, I know your core. And that is why I, you know, have complete faith in who you are as a human being and respect for you. So that is why we always connected very strongly, but I, I would encourage you to not miss sight of that simply because of a label difference we have, because we are very aligned mm -hmm. when it comes to spirituality and our principles and the way we approach life. So that is where I am. And I, um, I think that is exactly why, you know, I connect with people like both of you because there's that core, there's that, you, you know, you recognize that energy and that certain type of way a person approaching life and whether they use a label they like this or they don't use a label, it's irrelevant beyond the spirituality and the understanding of, you know, meeting people exactly where they are, not caring about who is in the shadow of the person, but who I'm looking at right now in the light. You know, all these types of things are what we see, I think, in people. And that's what makes us connect beyond the specific label. But that spirituality concept is immensely huge for me. That's amazing. And I've changed this podcast. I used to call it a Christian podcast. Now I just call it a faith podcast because of exactly what you said, because we're all coming at this in, in different spaces, but it's the core of who we're desiring to be and what we desire to stand for. That is the unifying factor of all of us. And again, I can vouch to the listeners for both of you that you never fit in, in a specific crowd in the chapel either. You know, you guys stood out everywhere. <laughs> you just stood out everywhere, which is what, what's great. And I can also just just, um, you know, back what you're saying about the labels that pe people always want to put a label of you're a Christian, you're a Buddhist. And even within the context of that, you're this kind of Buddhist or you're this kind of Muslim yeah. or this kind of Christian. Humans are extremely selfish. The reason they want to put you in the box is not to figure out who you are or to know more about you. They want to put you in the box for their own comfortability. Hmm. That's why they're doing it because it makes them comfortable. Oh, okay. So he's in this box. So right. I can put them over here. And we do that with everybody. We do that. We do that yeah. with faith. We do that with sexuality. Oh, you're gay. So you go over there. You're straight. You go over yeah. there. We do that Absolutely. with people who've been incarcerated. Oh, you were incarcerated. You, you know, we, we want yeah. to do that because like what you said, Rod is so true. We just want to put people in a space where we think we can know then how to respond to them. But yeah. even between the two of you, like just because your stories have some similarities, I shouldn't pretend that I know Shannon because I know Rod or vice versa. You know, you're both unique yeah. individuals, nor should either of you feel like you understand me because if you understand somebody else, it's just, it's ridiculous when you say it out loud, but it's still true. So what about you, Rod? How does faith play a, a role in this conversation for you, either personally or in a larger scope? I know for me, my faith is what got me through. And it wasn't just the faith in God, but it was the faith in knowing that even though I knew he was there, he never 
like made me feel like I wasn't making my own decision. He didn't get mad at me because I was a fish and I couldn't climb a tree. That don't make me any less of a fish. It may just be me talking to myself, but I never felt like I wasn't accepted. And knowing that relationship that I got with a higher power, man, it made me way more confident in a situation where I shouldn't have been confident. I shouldn't have been confident at 5'6", 130 pounds around people who are 6'3", and 250 pounds. I shouldn't have been confident in that situation. But when, when the dude that's 6'3", and 250 looks at you and says, man, there's somebody else in there. Like, where the hell did that come from? It couldn't have been me as the human. When I'm still in prison and I'm having growth spurts and I'm in prison, man, and I'm literally growing by leaps and bounds physically, mentally, emotionally, but most of all, spiritually. And I only can make those leaps and bounds because God made it happen. He put me in a situation to where I could receive the blessing. I like to say that I respected the situation that I was going through wholeheartedly. Like I took my incarceration seriously from day one. From day one, that's what a lot of men that I've seen personally and people who are civilians that work within the facility, they never took their lives seriously. The reason I took everything so seriously is because I know God blessed my people so my people can bless me. So I got to take the money, the time, the experiences. I have to take those things seriously, man. It's not just playtime and let's just sit back and read magazines all day and wait for the for somebody to send me some money. No, you got to get your behind off that chair and go do stuff. And what gave me that motivation is knowing that he's paying attention to what I'm doing. And that's what gave me everything that I needed. Man. And for both of you, a lot of your growing up actually happened when you were incarcerated, because let's not forget Literally. both of you, both of you were teenagers when you got incarcerated and you got yeah. out when you were well into adulthood. So that just shows the power of you as individuals. It shows the power of your mind and your spirit and your faith to show that it's not your surroundings that allow you to become who you are, although that plays into it, but you can become whoever you desire to be based on who you want to be. And if you want to get there and you can stand apart from any crowd, whether that's in a prison system or anywhere else. Now, I always ask this question to, to, to kind of close out the show. So this will be the last question I ask. Where do you see hope either in your own life or in the world in general, or specifically in the area of working on the tr struggles that we have in the prison system? Where do you see a sense of hope? I see hope in, I think, two things. One is the fact that I've been blessed to have a very hopeful mindset. Um, I'm able to not get caught up in the negativity of what's in the news a lot, or the negativity of people that are around me. And, and even when I surround, you know, I surround myself with pretty good people to, to touch on what you said earlier about they're really good human beings being in prison. I'd say this routinely that the best people I know in my life are mostly from people that I met in prison. I've, I've been through the trenches with you. I've seen you on a daily basis. You don't get to know somebody better than when you're in prison with them because they can't, their character, that. their personality cannot escape you. But out in the world, it can escape you. They can hide behind so many things. But in prison, you say one thing, you preach yourself a certain way, then I'm going to see that every single day you you having to own up to what you said. I'm going to see the weaknesses. I'm going to see the little leaks. I'm going to see how you respond to those issues when they pop up. Do you own up and say, yeah, I failed here? Or do you try and blame it on somebody else? You see all of that. So you are as naked Absolutely. as possible when you are in prison to people yes. that you live with. 
And so I, that's why I have more faith in those individuals. The other part of it is that there are so many things on a regular basis we'll see throughout the day, maybe one or two things that might ruin your whole day or might really take you down. But you're missing all these things going on around you. I see synchronicity, I see hope, and I see beauty, and I see love, and all this stuff that I'm paying attention to more because I'm looking for it and because I'm not keying in on the things that might speak louder. That's what negativity is, I think, in life, is that it speaks louder in our minds and our hearts, and it makes us think that there's more of it in the real world. The mind and the heart get really corrupted by a negative feeling or emotion or thought, and it blinds us to all the good currently going on in our lives right now, all around us, in our past. And so I just feel like I'm very good at focusing on it. And it's been a practice. I've gotten myself to this point. It's not like something I just naturally always did, but there was some kind of an inclination there to help me get to it, I think, easier. But I'm able to just stay focused on the fact that when things get bad, I'm not going to pay attention to that because I know outside of this momentary feeling that there's so much good, so much love and so much to be hopeful for. And I just stay focused on that. I let that guide me more than anything. Mm, good stuff, Shannon. Thanks so much. How about you, Rod? Where do you see hope in your own life, hope in the world, hope, hope in general? Situations like this, man. I'm, I'm on a podcast and I've just spent majority of my life in prison. But I'm reaching out into the world from Milwaukee, speaking to one of my guys, one of my closest friends in a whole nother part of the damn state because he felt like that's something that should be happening. I'm hopeful because the people who taught me, the people who showed me, the people who listened to me, the people who gave me their time, those people still exist. And a lot of those people are still in the prison system. So as much as I've been able to do, and as many people have I've been able to reach, I just imagine what could be done with those same people who taught me. They're still teaching people. They didn't teach me stuff. And then like, uh, all right, I taught Rod this stuff. So everybody pack it up. It's done. We're done teaching. That's not what happened. The lessons continue. Uh, that's what gives me hope. The world hasn't ended. That gives me hope. God still exists. That gives me hope. Knowing that I woke up this morning, that's what gives me hope. Special thanks to Rod Harris and Shannon Ross for joining this roundtable discussion around the injustice in the prison system. Hey, if you've got something that you would like to add to this conversation, make sure you find Jesus Never Ran on Facebook or on Instagram and let us know what you have to add to the dialogue. This has to be a community engagement. It's not just about me. It's not just about the guests. There's always a lot more that we can cover. So find Jesus Never Ran on Facebook and on Instagram. Of course, check out Shannon's organization, The Community. You can find them at thecommunitynow.us, and I'll put a direct link in the show notes. As always, you can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's new. It used to be subscribe. Now it's follow. It's still subscribe everywhere else. But wherever you're listening, subscribe or follow Jesus Never Ran. Of course, write a review and give us a five-star rating. And until next time, keep walking.